Hey, it's Jeff here. After working as an automotive tech for almost 25 years, I can honestly say that finding employment with the right shop has been the difference maker between loving what I do every day or hating my career choice. Let me tell you, I've been there, but I've also had jobs where work didn't really feel like work. I love the challenge of fixing cars. So loving what I do, that's the easy part. Finding a good place to do it in, now that's been the struggle. And that's where my friends at ProMotive knock it out of the park. They're a recruitment company specializing in jobs for our automotive industry. A-techs, B-techs, master techs, service advisors, managers, you name it. They are constantly looking for applicants in automotive to link them with available job postings at only the best vested shops around the country. ProMotive has a team of professional recruiters that can help you with your resume, prep you for the interview process, and negotiate the best pay and benefits package for you. And best of all, it's free to anyone looking to gain employment. Check them out at gopromotive.com slash Jeff. gopromotive.com slash Jeff. Just think, you could be just five minutes away from finding your dream job. Yes, I was in the independent, but I wasn't a tech. And, you know, I was at the dealer and man, I thought I was awesome at pulling plastic. Oh, it's the best plastic puller. You, you think you're you're good at something. And then you start working on all makes and models. And I'm seeing these guys, you know, flagging 18, you know, 28 hours a day and stuff and upper control and bushings on like the S10s, not even pulling the wheels. You know, I mean, just these tricks and stuff. And I'm like, God, they, I mean, there's, I did not know that this world existed. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting, thought-provoking episode of the Jada Mechanic Podcast. My name's Jeff, and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey of reflection and insight into the toils and triumphs of a career in automotive repair. After more than 20 years of skin knuckles and tool debt, I want to share my perspectives and hear other people's thoughts about our industry. So pour yourself a strong coffee or grab a cold Canadian beer and get ready for some great conversation. Um, with me tonight, I've got a very, very good friend of mine, Mr. Cody Gaddy of Cody's Auto Diagnostics and Programming. How are you tonight, man? Good. How you doing, Jeff? Oh, man, it's it's. Uh, we were talking about the weather just before we came on, and it's it's hot, but it's not as hot as what you've got. So I can't complain. So yeah, it's it's. So I'm out in Arizona, and uh, we're on I think uh, 54 days of over 105 degree temperatures. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, you know, today was 108, uh, last week, you know, it was getting up to 113, 114. So this is the time of year. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm better in cooler temperatures. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. that. <laughs> you were saying if you could start every, all the days at like 5am, if the shops would be open at five, you'd go there and bang out a bunch of work and try to be home yep. and out of the sun by noon. Right. Cause I mean. Yeah, it come three o'clock. It, it's it's torture out here, yeah. and and so you know, and we'll get into this. But I'm I'm mobile, so hmm. so a lot of my, uh, you know, me going to the shops. I'm typically out in the the parking lot. You know, I don't like to obstruct the the shop flow or anything else, uh, unless it's a diagnostic sign I need a bay and stuff like that. But uh, you know, just being out in the out in the parking lot and everything, your your equipment starts overheating, you know, you start overheating. It doesn't it doesn't take long. Even if it's a 15, 20 minute program and stuff, it, it's uh that 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 time adds up for sure. So I I meant to ask you, how many years have you been doing this on your I don't want to say on your own, because I know the wife is a pretty big proponent and helps you out quite a bit, but on your on your mobile mobile 
job. How long many years has it been now? Five? Uh, no. So actually I started, and we'll get back more into the backstory in a little bit, but I started uh, uh, January 1st, 2021. So right after COVID. All right. So I'm, I'm almost three years into it. Right. Okay. All right. I thought it was a little bit longer than that, but I guess I've, I've seen you around so long on the, on the, on the Facebook groups and whatever. I just always thought that that's, you were doing a lot of mobile stuff then. So. So I was, um, you, you, and you've probably seen the Cody's auto diagnostics from, you know, building tools and stuff like that. I've been doing that for about, uh, five, six years and everything. Uh, and then, you know, I, I went mobile, uh, 2021. So, and there was a, a list of things that kind of led into that, I should say, but yeah, I mean, I made the jump and, and been mobile mobile since then. So, yeah. so how does the Cody start story start? Oh man. Okay. So yeah, it started, uh, I'm originally born and raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado and, uh, grew up there. Um, I got, um, come high school. Uh, I went to two different high schools, uh, one high school for my freshman year, another high school for my senior or uh, sophomore year, excuse me. And, uh, and I was just kind of, my parents wanted to retire and they wanted to move somewhere where it was warmer, where we didn't have snow and everything else. And, and uh, I was planning on, on finishing up my high school career in Colorado. And I had uh, my parents offered that opportunity to stay with family and do so. Uh, but I wanted to change, uh, you know, I was, wasn't hanging out with the right crowd of people and, and, and kind of get my life back together, I should say. And uh, so I decided to come down here uh, with my parents and, and uh, graduated uh, graduated high school, you know, my senior year, um, my senior year or my junior and senior year, uh, in high school, I started taking automotive shop, which we didn't have that in my school in Colorado. So I was real fortunate about getting into that. Uh, you know, I was always kind of a Legos kid and everything else. So I really like taking things apart, putting things back together, trying to put things back together, depending on what it is, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of fell into the automotive and everything. I, it's something I wanted to do. Um, I applied for, um, UTI when I graduated and I got accepted and it was me along with three other guys from my high school, which is kind of unheard of for, uh, cause they only select a, a certain amount, especially not from like usually the same school. So we were all accepted and everything. And, and, uh, we were all planning on, uh, renting a house and everything up in, up in Phoenix is where we were going to go to school and, uh, graduated high school and, things kind of fell through on that, at least on my end, I kind of had a falling out with some of the guys. So that being said, I was like, you know what, spending the $30,000 or however much to, to, to go to the school and stuff, you know, I pretty much was, uh, it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my cards at that time. I, I don't think I would have taken it as seriously as I would have now. So that being said, you know, uh, like I said, I graduated, uh, and then shortly after graduation, I ended up getting a job at a, at a local gas station and this gas station, uh, there's also an automotive repair shop and then a four bay, uh, service station. So I got, uh, I applied there and, and, uh, uh, the guy that hired me, he's a, he's a good buddy of mine. I actually saw him today. He works at another, another shop, but, uh, he hired me and I don't know if I would have hired myself at that time. Just, you know, I walked in, I had a, I had a blonde Afro and, and, uh, you know, I was grungy looking. 
Uh, but he took a chance on me. He, he saw something in me and then took a chance on me and everything. I had no experience or anything except for a little bit of the high school, you know, shop class. And uh, um, started out there working uh, from 2 o'clock to 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. You know, pretty much after 5 o'clock, the techs are gone. So it's sweeping and mopping the base. It, it's, you know, uh, kind of custodial stuff. Uh, but it got my foot in the door into the shop and everything. And, and uh, so I was there for about six months uh, and then got uh, got onto the day shift. And then two months after getting onto the day shift, uh, I got pulled into the office. And, uh, you know, my boss was like, you know, we really want to uh, have you be like this, this manager. So, you know, now I become like the service rider. He was into dirt late model racing at the time. So he was gone he was gone quite a bit, you know, so he needed somebody to, to be there to, to greet the customers, to get them rode up, you know, shuttles home, you know, things like things in that nature. Now, the shop that I worked at, uh, just to kind of give a little backstory, this is a real reputable uh, company here in town. And uh, they, at the time, they really, they hired the, the A-level technicians. They wouldn't hire a, a, a C-level technician and really uh, um, train them. Uh, or build them up within, you know, build them up within the company. They wanted those master certified techs, you know, top dogs in, in, in Tucson here. And that's, and the company had a, a, an amazing reputation and everything else because they had top talent. So in order for, you know, so I became assistant manager and I, and I enjoyed that, but man, I really wanted to work on cars Yeah, and there was really no progression for me. Um, I was right under the, the, this, the owner, uh, the owner's son is actually the, uh, was my boss. So, you know, I was pretty much right under him technically. Right. And, you know, to become a technician and stuff, yeah, I wasn't that a level guy. Um, I didn't have the experience and everything else. And, and that I really wouldn't have gotten the education or the mentorship to become that a level guy or B level or C level or whatever it is. Right. I really wouldn't have got that training, even though I got some training and I, and I overlooked a lot of stuff in the shop and I learned a lot. It wasn't that, uh, I, I w wasn't making the progress that I really wanted to make. So I continued to do that and I was there for about uh, two and a half years, but I would say, um, after about two years of, uh, being the assistant manager, uh, shop foreman or not shop foreman, but, uh, you know, the service rider and everything, I got a, um, job opportunity at a local dealership. And so I took that opportunity and, and I started out as an apprentice because obviously I didn't have the, the skills and stuff to, to be a full-blown technician. So I was working underneath somebody at that time. And, and I continued to work at the gas station. So I was working seven days a week, seven days a week for, for about two years. And so during that time, you know, and the dealership that I was at was, was a Lexus dealership. So I know we've talked, you know, you, you talked a lot about, you know, uh, dealerships and everything else. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I was in the new car, used car department. So I was pulling plastics and doing PDIs and, and, you know, as far as the dealership, that's really not being a technician. I mean, you're, no. you're, no, you're not doing much, you know, we were, I would get the timing belts and I would get, you know, bigger services and stuff, but you're, we're working on cars that, that really didn't break down, especially at that time. This is, this is 2003 at this time, you know, it's maintenance stuff. It's 60 Ks, 30 Ks, you know, stuff like that. It's fluid changes, you know, the, the gravy money and stuff. 
So again, I didn't feel, um, oh, and that was another thing. So when I hired, got hired on there, they said that, you know, all the uh, technicians get, uh, they sent them to training out in California and everything. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's what I, you know, me not going to UTI, I felt that I was, uh, that I was behind, you know, Stout, yeah. even though, yeah, it just cause I didn't get the training and everything else. And, and even though I, uh, my buddies that graduated UTI, here's a funny story. So my, the guys that graduated UTI, my buddies or whatever, or, um, the guys that kind of had a falling out with, it took them six to eight months to, to get a job in the repair facility because they didn't have the, the training. They didn't have the, the, um, the in-shop experience. So a shop would rather take somebody that doesn't have any experience like myself and, and pull them in. than you know, somebody that's a UTI graduate that expects a certain, you know, price to, to start yeah. and they don't have, you know, they may have more formal education, but it's the day-to-day stuff, you know, racking the cars yeah. to, you know, it's the shop environment. It's there, there's more to it than, than what they teach you at, at school. So it took them a while to, to get a job. And by this time I'm already at the dealership. So, but I still felt behind. So that was just to back up on that. So, yeah, I felt, felt behind. And, um, then, uh, so I was like, yes, I get to take, take advantage of this training and get to, you know, learn about the Lexus vehicles and everything. I'm, I'm a Toyota guy. My parents both drive Lexuses and stuff. And, and, uh, and at that time, uh, there was a, there, there was a, it's not a freeze. I should say they, uh, they stopped sending the technicians to training due to the, the price of the education at that time. They're, they're putting it on hold is, is a better way to say it. They're putting it on hold for, for that year. Right. And, and I don't know the details more on that, just that, you know, it was put on hold. And, and so, you know, I was, what I was really looking forward to on the training and everything and, and feeling, uh, getting, you know, getting to where I wanted to be, I, I wasn't going to get it. And I didn't know if the next year it was going to be there, you know? So I ended up, you know, I, I was the apprentice. Um, I got moved into a flat rate technician. Uh, and then, you know, I was there for about two years and then, you know, eventually I had an apprentice under, under myself and stuff too. So I got to train a little bit and everything, but again, I wasn't doing, you know, these are Lexus vehicles. You're doing alternators and brakes and, you know, struts and stuff like that. You, you, you'd taken the job hoping to get some on the job training, which you sounds like you got, but you've always, you've always had a, a hunger for like knowledge, right. Of actually how things work and not just taking a part off or putting a part on. And, and you weren't getting that on, you're saying at Toyota because a, they didn't send you to training and B because the cars didn't break a whole lot. So exactly. And then the shop foreman is just funny. I mean, he, he walked, you know, it's funny looking back now, but you'd walk around with his white shirt, and he, but he wouldn't, he was never dirty. <laughs> I was like, man, you're never dirty. Do you touch cars? But he wouldn't offer any assistance or anything else. I mean, it was really, you know, I, I learned from from my uh, mentor, you know, the guy that, that I apprenticed under at that time. Uh, but again, I mean, there's there so much, just the fundamentals of, of how things work, right? Yeah. And and I wanted more and I wanted more and I wanted more and I, I didn't get it. So so at that time, I was like, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to leave uh, the dealership and and I quit the other job because seven days a week at doing that for so long, that really started playing a toll on me, uh, you know, and I was a 21 year, I was 21 years old at this time and stuff. So, so I, I ended up leaving the dealership and I went to a little, uh, 
little little tiny shop. This is a it's a guy that had two bays, um, kind of like in his backyard and everything. And and he offered me a guarantee, and the guarantee was you know more than I was making at the dealer and stuff. And you know I learned quite a bit and stuff there. And and essentially he wanted me to uh, end up buying the place within like five years and stuff, so he could retire and and everything. And you know I saw good opportunity in that, and and uh, you know it it was good and it went good for for about six months. And then, then the work just started drying up. And when it's a two bay shop and the work, you know, when the work starts drying up, there wasn't anything coming in. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not one, I don't like job hopping, but I, I had to do what was best for me at that time. So I ended up leaving and I went to an independent company, um, a locally owned company here at that time. And uh, they had, I think seven, seven uh, shop locations here in town. So I applied, um, I got hired. They said, you know, every ASC certification will be a mandatory race. You know, we, we will send you to any of the, the local training. You just have to show up, you know? And I was like, sweet, right on. Yeah. You know, that that's what I, awesome, good. You know, there's room for advancement and I can really grow and everything else. And uh, so I started there and man, going from, Yes, I was in the independent, but I wasn't a tech and, you know, I was at the dealer and man, I thought I was awesome at pulling plastics. <laughs> I was the best plastic puller. You, you know what I mean? Like you think you're, you're good at something and then you start working on all makes and models. And it's like, and I'm seeing these guys, you know, flagging 18, you know, 28 hours a day and stuff and uh, upper control and bushings on like the S10s, not even pulling the wheels. You know, I mean, just these tricks and stuff. And I'm like, God, damn, I mean, there's. I did not know that this world existed. So, I mean, I was slow, 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 you know, and um, there was a couple guys there and they're both uh, named George and they took me under their wing and they, one was an awesome drivability guy and one was, you know, he was just a banger. And uh, so I learned how to, you know, beat the clock and, and start making some money and, and made some real good friendships at that time. And uh, our, our location was, was, the number one location out of out of the other locations, and we're just killing it. And what and just awesome, as a whole team, what an awesome opportunity for mentorship to have two so strong in such different ways, right? A strong diagnostic guy and then a strong re and re guy. I mean, you you don't really yeah. get that, right? You tend to get a lot of shops where there might be one really strong diag guy and five or six really strong, you know, re and re guys, and really strong. I'll do air quotes because there could be some hacking going on, right? But I mean. You lucked out there for sure. I mean, that's that's what a lot of people would really like is to be a smaller size location, but still get that mix of both. And especially like you said, when you're doing all makes of models on all on, especially diag or anything else for that matter, you know. But the diag especially, to you just have to have a good fundamental base, right? You have to have that. You have to be able to look at what they have in common and not what makes them different. If you look at what makes them different, you get all frazzled. You look at what they got in common. No, exactly. So, it's yeah, it's so. it's less over. It's yeah, it's less less overwhelming when you when you look at uh, what's different, not you know, or or what's the same and what's what's not different, you know. And and you know, BMW, same kind of thing. But having those, having both those guys, man, that was. Uh, I was I was really blessed, and they really took you know they both took me under their wing, and and uh, so I had the best of both worlds. And at that time, I just started, you know, any training that, that came up and sometimes it was three nights a week or four nights a week or, you know, six times a month or whatever. I was uh, I was there. All I had to do was show up. The, sh the 
the company paid for it. So I just had to show up and go into these classes. I'll tell you, I mean, when I first started going that 99% of the stuff is over my head. I'm just like, man, I, I, I'm missing a bunch of the fundamentals, you know, electricity and, and, you know, the diagnostic approach and stuff like that. And, but I just kept going. I just kept going and kept going. And then soon it was, you know, 50% of it was over my head. Yep. And then, you know, 25% was over my head. And then, you know, then I started, you know, the more I went and the more training I got and everything, you know, now it, it, it became, uh, I got this, you know, I, I really started to, to understand. And not just that, I started investing in myself with um, scan tools and scopes and stuff like that. And, but putting in, putting it into practice, it's one thing to, to learn this stuff. Yeah or see slide, you know, see a screenshot of the scope capture. Well, some half the battle, how'd you get that scope capture? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, how'd you set that scope up? Like they make it look so easy. You just plug in right here and you just do this. And, and, you know, here you have this and it's like, depends on the tool you have, but it's not, you know, you have to, you have to know a little bit more and, and how to set it up. And, and, uh, so I started putting it into practice and staying late, you know, after, after work and, and learning these tools and learning new techniques, you know, um, checking the amperage on, on a fuel pump was like my first, like lightning, you know, the, 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 the light went off and I'm like, man, this is cool. And you can see the commentator bars and you can see the health of that pump by making one simple connection, you know? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, and it just blew my mind. I was like, wow. You know, you think and about how many I didn't really the, that, that test, you know, would have saved you, hours right of being able to or an intermittent thing you could have just done that test and and eliminated or proved it right but that's the whole thing we're just trying to eliminate or prove if you just had that one test yeah i get it man and the scope thing it's still you know we joke because i'm not a, i'm not a huge scope guy I, I don't get enough opportunity to use it but you know i'll talk to my friend and he'd be like you wouldn't believe how hard it is he said i had to move it around to the fluorescent lights weren't screwing up with the with the scope he's got it, you know, certain lighting in the shop, it it changes how the scope looks, the pattern looks. He says it just, it'll drive you crazy. You go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, hats off to those oh, guys. Yeah. yeah, no, and I actually had a buddy reach out to me the other day and, and with, a, with a scope capture and stuff. And he's like, man, what the hell? I was like, ah, that looks like you're picking up some noise, man. You know what I mean? He's like, and sure enough, you know, he went outside the shop and stuff and, and yeah, he was picking up noise and he could have been going down a rabbit hole because he was scoping a fuel pump at that time. He's like, this does, it, and there was extra hash and, and, and it just didn't look um, clean, you know, and it didn't look like a normal fuel pump, um, even a bad um, waveform. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah. And if you overanalyze it too much, you can definitely be going down the rabbit hole on that. So. And, you know, so, yeah, I started learning the scope. I started learning, you know, what to look for on the scan tools. I just started attending the training, 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 man. And, and uh, you know, slowly. So I ended up leaving that location. I still stayed within the same company, uh, but I moved location. Uh, I ended up buying a house um, over on the other side of town and, and, and went, I uh, got transferred to the location that was closer to my home. And, man, uh, I walk in there the first day and, and, uh, you know, I'm dropping off my toolbox and, and, uh, you know, I, I show up and stuff and, and the camaraderie and everything that, that I had over at the other shop, I thought it was just going to be the same thing. Right. And, and, uh, I walk into this shop and, and these guys are hating, hating hard. <laughs> and I don't know what the deal was, <laughs> but they didn't, they did not, 
you know, it's funny to laugh about it now because they're, they're all buddies of mine and stuff now, but they didn't like me because, you know, I came in and, and, uh, they, they're all smokers. So they'd be in the back, um, you know, smoking and stuff. And, and I just stood right up in the front or whatever, as the service riders came out and, and I'm telling you, Jeff, it, nine out of 10 cars that there it's oil change, oil change, oil change. I'm taking it. You know, they're, they're handed it to me cause they don't want to go chasing, chasing down these other guys. They don't, they don't want the oil changes. So I'm like, give it to me. I don't care. Whatever. I need to make and, Yeah, exactly. But I started out flagging them and, and here I'm the new guy at that location and, and I out flagged them. And so now they're pissed and it's like, you know, half that, half my flagged hours are, are 0.3, you know, 0.4 oil changes and stuff. So, um, while they're over here doing motors and heads and, and transmissions and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, so now they really hate me, <laughs> you know, and I, I constantly had to prove myself and everything else. And, 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 uh, slowly those guys started, uh, uh, and, and again, though, there was like three drivability guys when I showed up there. So I, uh, you know, there was no chance for me to, there was no mentorship there. First of all, second of all, it was, I wasn't getting the diagnostic work, which is fun. I mean, I was still learning and I was just going to classes and stuff. And, 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 um, at this time is when I first invested into a, a, a scan tool and stuff. I was using my, my other mentors at the other locations, their scopes and their scan tools and stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, you know, so I started investing in myself and slowly those guys, you know, couple got fired, a couple left and stuff. And, and, uh, then when the last guy got let go, you know, my boss was like, do we need to hire a drivability guy? Or do you think you have this? And, you know, talk about getting thrown to the wolves. Cause I'm like, man, I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm ready, but let's, let's do it. You know? And at that time, you know, I, I learned a lot on my own. Um, but I continued to go to training and, uh, around that time is when I, uh, 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 came, not came in contact, but when I came across Scanner Danner and, you know, and that right there, you know, Paul Danner, that, that I just started watching his videos, watching his videos. I mean, every single one, I mean, every single one, Jeff, and, and that completely changed everything. Yep. Everything that changed my whole career right there is his videos. Just, he gave me more than, than any of the, uh, the classroom training that, that I attended and stuff. And, and granted, I didn't get the formal training, the UTI and everything else, but, but, you know, uh, just the basic understanding and, you know, because you, you've been exposed to more training than maybe what a lot of people in the industry starting out got right in terms of you got into a place that had a culture where they wanted you to take it and they were rewarding you for taking it. But yet I've always said this about Paul, he has a way of, and again, we, we talk about it, it's because he's an actual educator, right? He's an actual real teacher, not just, you know, and I mean, no disrespect, he's not just a tech teaching a class. He's, exactly. uh, you know, he's a teacher with 20 years experience. So he has a method of getting you to understand the subject matter in such an efficient way that it just makes sense. You know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's, he, he hates it. We always talk about him. <laughs> But I mean, it, it's, we'll never, he'll never, ever, ever know how much of an effect he's had on so many of us. Right. And it's just been because he's been able to do that. We've been able, he's been able to take things that you might've sat through the class and you got the concept of what they were teaching, but you didn't implement it. Or it seemed like it was too much to implement. And he just goes at a pace where it's like, he, he puts it into a really simple format 
And then he, he doesn't even give you the option of, do you want to implement it or not? Before you know it, he's using it. He's doing it in front of you, but walking you through, it's just a, I can't describe it. I'm not doing it justice, but the way he teaches is just, has helped out so many of us. And he's, he's just a gift. He's a gift that keeps on giving. So, yeah. He, well, and he is, and, and you know, and I knew about, you know, I watched stuff on YouTube and everything, but I didn't realize that YouTube could really be educational. Yeah. You know, that I wasn't finding you know, you got the Scotty Kilmers and everything like that. And it's like, I'm definitely not watching this, this load, you know, I'm not doing this. So it took a little bit of searching and everything else. But when I finally came across him and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh. And, and to, I'm a visual learner. So, you know, he's talking about the circuit, you know, let's say a three wire, a, a th three wire sensor and, you know, talking about yep. the circuit. Oh, man, now I understand a three wire sensor. Now let's go implement it. You know, and he, he's showing right there and it's like, and I got a car in my bay. I'm like, I'm doing the same. I'm following along as, as he's doing it. And, you know, that muscle memory, just, you know, building that foundation on, on uh, not just watching it to be watching it, but, you know, putting it to, to use and putting it to practice. Um, so that, that right there, I mean, I, I thought he was an awesome guy. You know, he really uh, hit home on, on how he educates, at least for myself and everything else and so many other people. And I, and I know that. Uh, but to visually see it and to put it into use and everything else, you know, slowly I, I was with this company for, for 13 years. And, uh, you know, then my name started building within the company as far as, you know, with, with the other at this time, now we have 12 locations for this company and, and, uh, send it to Cody, send it to Cody and, you know, these problem, problem vehicles and stuff. And, and, and I was, I was proud to, to, to feel that, you know, man, I, I've, from somebody that felt like he was so far behind, you know, yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting to where I, I want to be. And I say that, and I still feel that I'm not where I want to be, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I feel I've definitely progressed, you know, and I, I've, I've built a name for myself within the, the, the community and stuff. And, and I like the problem cars, uh, but being flat rate, those problem cars and spending, you know, hours and, and everything else on it. And like, you know, you've spoken multiple podcasts, man, it, it wasn't, it wasn't jiving. Yeah. My, the, the, I would get these problem cars sent from other shops that, you know, they've spent, you know, however long that they spent on it and they just throw their hands up in the air, send it to Cody. Okay. Cody, here's your, here's your hour, figure it out. And you know, there's 10 things that have been replaced and there's, there's this and there's that. And, you know, so now you just threw more variables in it because, you know, you've caused more issues. I guarantee it. They always do. Yep. <laughs> here's your hour. Here's your hour for this network diagnostics. And it's like, whoa, man, you know, it's got 12 codes in the system. Here's your hour. And the, this company didn't, didn't see, uh, they thought everything was, was done in an hour. Now, if it was an ABS light and a check engine light, okay, that's two separate fees. But if it's a check engine light and they haven't, they haven't had it looked at in six years and it's got 12 codes and it's all separate systems and stuff, it's an hour. Yeah. That's not fair. No, and I tried to explain to them, you know, especially after going to training and stuff, because I would also take the management training and everything and, and uh, tried to inform them as much as I could, you know, on the things that I was learning as far as, uh, you know, we really need to be charging differently than this. And, and it really should be kind of a tiered system. Some of these vehicles that are that have been neglected for six years and now they have to pass emissions. Why? Why are, you know, as a shop and as a, a technician, why are we getting uh punished kind of for it, you know, and we're getting an hour. Why this guy over here is 45 minutes hanging sh shocks and struts and making three hours, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he doesn't have to invest in the scan tools, the knowledge. He doesn't, he, 
doesn't, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to talk crap about that because we need those guys. And, and, and I was that guy, but the more jobs I took on for the drivability and stuff, man, I really need to focus. It's like, don't talk to me at this time. Like, man, once I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone and, and getting pulled away to like, here, knock out this weight or oil change. That would irk the crap out of me, man. Yep. <laughs> it hurts Yeah. Cause it, it, it blows your, yeah, it's only, you're gone 18 minutes and you come back to it, but it's at least 18 more before you get back into the flow of where you were on that job. Right. Of whether it's like, did I check that three wire sensor? Did I check, you know, did I, did I load the ground? All that kind of stuff. You got to go back and think, did I do it or not? You know, because yeah. with, they say how we should be like, you know, you see guys and they write little notes or they put little stars on the, you know, we'd all trace the wiring diagram. We all say, write down a little note here. Yes, it's good or not. But some of us don't do that, right? It's all up here as we're doing it. If you get pulled away to do a jerked around oil change and then you have to come back. Yeah, it's it's costing you more than the, the three tenths you made. You just lost on your efficiency on the next job, easily at least three tenths, whatever time. So it's stop doing that, guys, please. Just. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I mean, it messes with your flow and everything else. And, and when I feel that I, I'm on the right track to, to something, man, I, you know, I'm like a kid in a cage store, like, just leave me the hell alone, man, because I want to get this, I want to get this figured out. Like I'm, yeah. I'm close and I can feel it. And then when, when you mess with my, my, my flow or my jive or whatever, it's like, man, that, that just, it kills me. And, you know, in the shop that I worked at, it was a, it was a volume shop. We were doing, you know, 40, 60 cars a day and stuff. And, you know, with, with three, four technicians and, and everything. So yes, it was a high volume shop. And, and, and in order for me to still have a decent paychecks, I still had to do, do those, those, jo- those, those jobs, you know, in, in order to, to, to get paid. And so I had, I had long conversations and stuff with my boss and, and with the company and with, you know, it, like I said, it was a local owned company and the CEO and everything like, look, we, sh- we really need to try to, you know, charge differently within the company. Um, and if I'm getting a car that has, you know, all these parts thrown at it from one, one of your other stores and stuff, it, it need kind of like Paul, Paul's, you know, mentioned with his brother, it needs to be like a $500 minimum for us to, to look at it. And then, you know, if it is, if it's a blown fuse, some simple or whatever, you're obviously not getting charged that, but you know, there should be an upfront, you know, yep. uh, compensation for the technician and for the shop in general to, to, uh, to, uh, make it worth everybody's wild. Right. And they didn't, you know, it, they, they were in the process of making some changes and then we, we ended up getting, bought out by a, by a larger corporation. So now, you know, where I, I did feel that I had a voice and some things were, you know, some things were going to change. Now these guys are in New York and there, there's no getting anybody on the phone. There's nobody wants to listen to, I'm just a technician. I'm just a, you know, who's this guy, you know, and, and not meaning that my name means anything, but I'm just saying that like we, we had a, all the techs and all the managers and stuff had a voice before, you know, we could mention something to the, to the CEO and, and some actions would be, would be, um, implemented. But now, you know, now with the bigger, you know, company coming in, uh, that's, that's not the case, you know? So, and, you know, so, so to go back on that, it's, uh, you know, that was, that was some of my frustrations and stuff. And, and, you know, I really, uh, getting older, I didn't want to, you know, I was the banger and, and I was hard on my body for, for the 13 years that I was with this shop. Cause I was there from, cause I just, I'm just, uh, you know, I just, uh, you're, I like to work you're so, for sure. Yep. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'd be there, at, you know, I'd piece of the shop. So I'd be there at five o'clock in the morning. If there was work and everything, I was there at five o'clock in the morning to, to open up the shop, to start working and stuff. I'd stay till seven to eight o'clock at night. And that was just a, that was a, a, a night. That was a daily thing. And that, that cost me, you know, one relationship with my daughter's mom and stuff. And, and, uh, rightfully so. And, you know, but when I'm the provider for the household and everything else, it, it's, it needed to be done, honestly. And yes, I made really good money, but if you look at the the time spent there, as far as actual hours away from the family and everything else, it didn't add up to that much money, you know? Yeah. A decent technician should be able to... Oh, go ahead. A lot of that too, what I always found is it's when you're getting a heavy diag mix into your, into your schedule, we'll say, it's always like you're, you're, you've got a number that we want to chase right for a paycheck. That's cool. But when you're in that heavy diag, there was so many nights I was staying there after five, six at night, not even necessarily on a diag job, but it was because I'd been on a diag job that morning that, you know, it didn't, uh, I might've made straight time on it or at best or whatever. I lost an hour here or there. So you're going to bang out that gravy rack and pinion or, you know, strut job or brake job or, you know, I'd stay late and put three sets of tires on, you know, because it was like they were sitting there and I could get that done and I could make up for the diag work. Right. And it, it did it. Yeah. I was, I was the same way. I'd go in at seven, I'd get home eight o'clock at night, seven thirty. you know, stress, grouchy, like angry, you know, that's where I learned to rant about this stuff was before I ever had a Facebook account was I'll be, I'll be ranting to my ex about, Oh, you wouldn't believe what I had to do today. And it was just, yeah, it was it was tough. So I mean, the guys that that you know always had that mix, right? It was either you just accepted it and you made less hours, or if you wanted to chase that, you know, competitive of being the number one in the shop or in the top five or whatever, you had to put in the extra hours to offset the diag work. And I, you know, I never thought that was fair. And it does come with an expense. So, yeah, and uh, and 100%, that's exactly, that's exactly what would happen. And it would be me showing up early in the morning because I knew parts showed up uh, when I was leaving, you know, the, the night before and, you know, I'm, I'm throwing cats on this car. I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z so I can make, you know, six hours, let's say before, you know, uh, before eight o'clock in the morning, right after we open. And then I can, you know, get back to those, those cars that are kicking my ass as far as those, those heavier diags and stuff that, that, you know, I'm really not not uh, uh making making much money off of uh and, and again and i liked it because it was a challenge i i learned a lot through those challenges um you know but learned a lot and, and i'm continuing to, to learn a lot but that being said it, it's it, it played a played a huge role and it, i lost a lot of time with with family with my daughter and you know and 13 years, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, 13 years went by real damn quick, oh, yeah. you know, and, and <laughs> you don't realize like how long you're doing something and, and you're just so repetitive on it and everything that, that you just think that that's how it should be. Right. And I didn't realize that, you know, there's actually shops where, where guys can make, you know, good technicians can make six figures and they can actually work the, the allotted hours. Yeah. I'm like, no way. You know, until meeting Lucas Underwood and, and, and all these other shop owners and stuff, uh, after going to, to Super Saturday and I'm like an ASTE and but Super Saturday is what really set it off. And that's where I got to meet Scanner Danner and Paul and stuff. And and uh man, I came back from from Super Saturday all on my own own dime. The shop didn't think that that was uh 
out of state training was was quote unquote needed yeah. um, because we get local training. Not realizing that you know the the local training is great, but that's there, there's more out there, right? You know, Brandon Steckler is not bringing his class here to Tucson, and, and you know, for example, yeah. So that's where getting out of town and, and going to these trainings. And I took some management trainings, and I took some you know, Brandon's class. And, and man, I came back from this and after meeting some, some other shop owners and, and stuff like that, I'm, I'm like, man, there is a, I want to make my shop better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want us to, to be able to, to send, you know, not necessarily me, but send, send a couple guys every year to super Saturday. And, and, you know, then I hear about vision and then ASTE and it's like, man, there's all this uh, training out there that I didn't even know existed until, you know, uh, Facebook groups and everything. And I'm like, man, I, I, I want to go to this all, I came back and, and, uh, let's, let's, let's change this company. You know, let's training is where it's at. Now, mind you, my shop did pay for training. Uh, like I said, locally, right. And out of the 12 locations we have, uh, there's 14 locations with that company now out of the 14 locations. Cause I go to all the trainings, Jeff, guess how many technicians take advantage of the training? I'm going to say less than 10%. Uh, yeah, there's four or five guys in, in there that, that are in there, the same four or five guys at every single yeah. class. And they're the ones that are, and the guys I'm referring to are no longer with that company and they're good buddies of mine because man, we all value the, the training and the education and everything else. Uh, the, everybody else just had to show up. They wouldn't even show up, Jeff, you know? So that was, uh, um, and then trying to convince the company to invest into training, to send guys out of state. I get it as a business. It's a lot of money. The guys aren't even taking yeah, the guys aren't even taking advantage of the local training, let alone sending them out of town. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I felt that I was just spinning my wheels. We got bought out, like I said. Um, so I ended up leaving there and I, I went to another shop and this was, uh, I spent 13 years at that other, at the shop I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I went to another shop and uh, I had to sit down with him and I used to work with him. He used to work for, for the previous company. And, uh, you know, I asked for a guarantee I asked, you know, there's a bunch of things I ask because here's the thing. And I want guys to understand, like, if you're looking for a shop. It's not just you being interviewed. Yes. You need to also be interviewing the shop. You know, it goes both ways. It's not just sitting there answer, answering the questions that they, they ask you. You need to be asking questions and stuff too. Like, do you guys pay for education? What, what, how do you advance within this company? What's the five year plan? These are questions that need to be asked, yep. you know? Um, and this is all stuff I learned later on, right? So with that company, I, I, I was like, look, it's all the way across town. I, I would like a guarantee and, and this guarantee that I um, suggested um, that I would um, that'd be comfortable with was, was almost half um, than what I was making with the previous shop, but just a guarantee. And I knew that I was, I was gonna kill it. Just, just something to, to keep me from, you know, where I still have a paycheck as I build the clientele where people realize that I'm over here and stuff now and to get acclimated to, to how they do, how they do business over here. Sure. Jeff, this was the beginning. I started, uh, 2020, right. And first couple of months were, were okay. I, it was definitely a pay cut. Um, I, I couldn't break, I couldn't break 30 hours. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I went from doing, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. Now, granted, I wasn't working like I, I was before as far as the early mornings and late nights and stuff. Um, so I was like, maybe that's why. But, you know, and then just a couple months into 2020, obviously COVID happens. Yeah. 
Now, if I didn't ask for that guarantee, and, and mind you, I was the only technician in that shop that had a guarantee, I, I don't know how I would have survived. I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have made $30,000 that year, oh. Jeff. So Scary. I don't know how these other guys made, made it, you know, because business just came to a standstill. Yes, we still had some some work, but nothing like it nothing like we do now right when you you make you make a good statement when you say i don't know how guys made it and the reality is a lot of guys didn't make it and that's where there yeah. was a you know we're seeing the shortage now because there was a mass exodus of qualified people that just when when the dealership slowed down when the shops slowed down didn't shut down but slowed everybody went and said you know what now is the time because you know how we all are a lot of us are always like we're always thinking I only want to do this five more years and I want to do something else, right? It's killing me. I another career. When that happened, that's when a lot of people just went, there's my sign from, you know, the powers that be, go make that next step in life. And whether it was like we just talked about, and you've heard me talk about it, my friend, they, there was a mass exodus in my area. People went and work at a Goodyear plant. You know what I mean? Some yep. of them went to, to fix the machinery. Some just took jobs building the tires because it was a steady yep. paycheck. Right. They needed people. And and it's, it's, you know, it's such a frustrating thing because I can remember seeing a post pop up in the Facebook group of the the lady that had the dealership. And it was literally like she her one tech posted how they had been guaranteed through the covid and then she retracted on the guarantee, cut their wages, did everything she could do. And it blew up. It was all over Facebook and it was all over Reddit and everything else until she was like, I'm sure to this day, it still had a big effect on her dealership because it started to expose what a lot of these people were really like that we work for in this industry. And that's not, a, I'm not knocking, you know, owners. I'm talking about more dealers, dealer owners and what they could, because when the time when they needed it the most, right, business People got paranoid, stayed home, didn't bring their car in. I mean, who needs an oil change if the car's parked in the driveway? Doesn't, right? Yeah. All of That's a sudden, so those people, when you needed them the most to look after you till it was over or we could move around again, they didn't. They just said, oh, you're costing us too much here. I'm taking your guarantee away. It's no wonder yeah. thousands of them went to a completely different line of work. So, yeah. It, it, well, and that 100%. And that, that's kind of where I was at as far as, you know, I, I was thankful that I was smart enough to, to ask for a guarantee and not just, you know, take any job that, that came my way. I, I didn't go out looking for this job. They, they came to me and, and I was like, okay, you know, these are kind of the guidelines that, that I um, would need because now I'm driving 45 minutes one direction across town. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in order for me to, you know, instead of five minutes to, to work, I'm going, you know, 45 minutes more time away from the family and everything. But I was hoping to not be there at five o'clock in the morning to eight yeah. o'clock at night and actually work my, my hours. Plus it was weekends off. So I was like, Oh yeah, man, that's huge. Yep. Um, Cause I was working six days a week for, for seven, seven years of that Yeah. at the other company. So, you know, so, so I took it and man, like I said, I, I, I was thankful that I had it, but there was some other promises and everything else. I didn't want to go backwards. The shop foreman was, was, um, um, going to retire. Uh, but again, you know, COVID kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. So the foreman was going to retire and I was going to take over the foreman position. Well now, now COVID's here and 
he's he's concerned too and he's like yeah uh, i'm i'm not i'm staying where i'm at kind of thing you know so 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 you know i kind of felt that i i went backwards in a sense uh you know and you know just covid was just a weird time uh during that time the the year before in 2019 i ended up paying off my house and everything and and so 2020 we were going to do a big remodel on the house and and uh so I, I took out a loan on on the house to to do a remodel. Then obviously COVID happened, and my wife at the time she's like, "I don't want anybody in this house." Yeah. You know, she she really got freaked out about it, right. and rightfully so. We didn't. There was so much unknown yeah. at that time, right? But coming towards the end of the 2020, and I was like, "Man, if I can survive off of half of what I was making before, right? Because I don't live outside my means, and I save and and." Uh, you know, being flat rate, you really have to, to know, yeah, it, it's take the, the good with the bad, but you need to save for, you know, they're not always steady paychecks nope. and stuff. So, so that being said, you know, I, I, I had some money in the bank and stuff that we were going to use on the house. And I was like, man, you know what? I can, I can go, I'll, I'm going to give it one year. I want to go mobile, um, start my own uh, diagnostic and programming company. You know, I, I, I'm tired of lifting transmissions, doing motors and everything yeah. else. And, and my body's just breaking down. I spent 13 years breaking it down and working my ass off, yeah. you know, that I was like, man, I, I just want to focus on what I truly love. And so I did that. So I was like, you know what, uh, January 1st, 2021, I'm, I'm going mobile. And, and I did. And, you know, um, I didn't burn any bridges, any, I never burned a bridge at any shop that I've ever worked or anything right. else. And every shop that I have worked at, I, I, I service them, mm-hmm. you know, I do their programming and I'll get called in for diagnostics and stuff. And, and so, you know, that's really helped me out, you know, and, you know, it helped me build my name within the company or within the locally yeah. here in Tucson before going mobile. So, uh, when I did go mobile and people got word and stuff, I really didn't have to do a lot of advertisement till until I was, you know, I had full, full days booked, That's you know, awesome. and yeah, so it, it's, it's been awesome. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention this real quick <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> for how much, uh, you know, I, I have issues or I've had issues and just like, you know, other people that have been on your podcast and stuff as far as, you know, with the industry and, and shops, you know, false promises or whatever, what, what have you. And, and, you know, so I go mobile and, you know, it's kind of like a changing the industry podcast, man, you just get, you get psyched up. It's like, man, I'm going to change, you know, I want to help out all these shops. I want to change the industry. I want to help, you know, I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to service them and, and make all these shops better. Rising tide raised all ships, yes, right? Exactly. Man, here's the thing: these shops don't want the help. <laughs> like you, you can you can literally give them free training, and they are not going to take advantage nope. of it. You know, I mean, they for so so. What I wanted to say about that is like going mobile. It, it's really, uh, you know. So I I, I do webinars and and some teaching and stuff for ATG and, and our webinars are $39, right? $39. So I'll, I'll go into, cause every single shop, where do you, where, where's training? Where's some good training? So I go in with the flyers and everything else, Jeff. I go to shops out of my way that I'm not even scheduled at to drop off flyers because they've mentioned training. They want training. Yeah. And, and you know, from that to, to WTI to any kind of training I know of. And 
I have never seen any of these shops in any one of the ATG webinars. Mm-hmm. $39, Jeff, you know, and that's, that's just one example of, of, you know, I try to go out of my way to, to help change the industry, to help, help these shops better themselves to essentially, I, I want to put myself out of business. Yeah. If I'm not getting called in for, for the blown fuses, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and it, it's a funny thing, right? And I'm not sure because I, I was going to ask you about that. How, not how do we do it, but I mean, it's, I sensed a change in you as, as I've known you, where at first I, I saw that attitude of, I really want to, you know, I want to up, up, bring up everybody's ability. That was the same as me. I wanted to see the average technician get better. I didn't want to see the same crazy questions get asked. I want to be able to, when somebody comes and you say, okay, did you test this, you know, X, Y, and Z, instead of going yes or no, all we got was a blank stare. Right. And it's like, so then you're okay. So you're not at that level, what level are you at? And that's when it got really scary about how a lot of people could, what's volt drop, what's fuel trim. Well, come on. Like we, so where do you start? And I found there's so many as, as I've networked with so many people that it's just like, they've gone from, I want to enable to, I just want to charge them. And that's it. It's just my, I'm going to come to them with a business. At the end of the day, we want the customer's car to get fixed. So if I go in and fix the car for them, I'm going to charge whatever I need to charge to be profitable doing it. And I'm not going to worry that why they don't, aren't able to do it. Because like you said, we could, you want to eventually bring it up to where nobody needs to call you. Right. Their skills come up. They don't, you know, they, they know to check for the missing fuse. They know to check for the blown fuse. They actually know how to put a test light on it versus a meter, when to do it, a scope, blah, 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 blah. We could go on, but they're not doing it. So Cody, why is that, that they're not doing it? I, I honestly, I wish I had an answer for that. I, I don't know. Scared to charge the customer. I, I think a lot of that has to do with it and, and uh, scared to charge the customer. And they think, you know, uh, let's just say a diagnostic charge is if shops are charging uh, $130, it, they still have that mentality. Like my old shop where everything's covered under that $149 or $139, that, that one hour diagnostic charge. And, you know, the, these texts, especially being flat rate, if they're spending over an hour on it and they don't even have an idea yep. Uh, what direction to go they're you know honestly they're being smarter than me because they're like oh, i'm gonna move on to these shocks and struts and make some money and i'm over here like i'm gonna figure it out three days later and i didn't get paid shit. Yep. you know what i mean so um but then then they call in somebody like myself that okay i do charge for for every hour that i'm that i'm there um to to, to figure it out and you know i i'm i'm, I'm more expensive to even come through the door than, than to, you know, have your technician figure it out. And it's yeah. not that, you know, I have the special tools or anything else. I, I'm walking around with a, with a meter, a test light and, and you know, a, a couple back piercing probes and stuff. And, and, you know, that, that's how I fix 90% of these cars. Yeah. Uh, it's not with the fancy scopes. Now my scope gets pulled out. If, if it's, you know, now <laughs> mobile is like a flat rate on steroids. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is, you know, if, if you can come, if you can get to the conclusion with the less least amount of tools, 
uh, and I am a scope guy, but I'm not breaking out my Pico scope uh, for a three wire sensor like I used to. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> there's a lot of things that when I was in a shop and I had my scope cart and everything else, I wanted to scope all things and, and uh, known good waveform library and this and that. I want to be in and out. And the faster I can get in and out when I have anywhere from eight to 12 appointments a day, the, the, the better the business will do. But I, I, it, you know, I made, a, a, made these appointments for, for all these customers. I have to get them done. And it, it only takes one thing to go sideways to, to, to like screw up the whole week of, yeah. of scheduling. So when we, when we get back to when we're talking about why they're not doing it, and then I want to bring it back to the idea because I say, okay, so some shops don't charge. And we always say, and I, I'm guilty of this, shops need to charge more. They're not charging for that. They're doing free diag and blah, 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 blah. But when you come back to the reality that maybe 10% of the techs actually take training, I can understand why some advisors or some owners or some shop managers are reluctant to charge for diag because you're not really giving the customer anything. You're just giving a round in the chamber of the parts gun you know, and, and, and that's not diag. Is it a yeah. elimination is, is it can be a step in diagnosing what's wrong with the car, but that's not diag, you know, throwing a dart and yeah. hitting a bullseye is still not diag. It's just, you're good at throwing darts. Right. So, yeah. And, and, and that, that could be a, a, a big reason behind it because the, the shops don't see the value in the diagnostics because, you know, essentially the tech's going in there and it, it's got a, got a P0171 and he, he goes to Identifix and he's like, ah, it needs a mass airflow sensor. Yeah. Um, and he spent five minutes, five minutes on the car and he didn't even run the vehicle to see the grams per second on that mass yeah. airflow sensor. Or, you know, there was no value. There's nothing written from the technician as far as, you know, okay, this is what I checked. I checked fuel trims at, at, um, you know, uh, at base idle. I also checked fuel trims at 2,500 RPM. Yeah, I went and did a volumetric efficiency. Well, I did X, Y, and Z to show value for that, that what we're charging. They're, they're just, they're literally, and I'm not knocking Identifix. I, I use it, but I don't use it for, for, you know, the, the hits. I, I use it because there's cer certain things in Identifix that are not in or harder to find and then all that yes. or Mitchell or anything else. So I'm not knocking any company. Um, or, you know, all, uh, identifixed, but I, it, it can be, um, it can be a great tool or it can be a horrible tool. Mm -hmm. It's all about how you use it. And, and a lot of these guys that, that the shops do provide identifix, they're using it 100% incorrect. Yeah. Uh, they're not even doing the, the, the six step process or whatever to, to, to come up with that conclusion for that code. They're just like, man, 376 hits for mass airflow sensor for a P0171. Yeah. And I come in and I plug in a vacuum line. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's where it's, you know, they're, they're not showing that value. They're, they're not written up. It's not like being at the dealership where you, you have the, the T1 codes and the T2 code. I mean, you had to write novels of, of everything you did at the dealer and that oh, sometimes yeah. that took longer than doing the repair. Oh, all the time, but, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at the independence that, you know, how very few shops here in town are doing DBIs, even Fewer shops, you know, are, are the technicians writing down why they need X, Y, and Z and, and what tests were performed. If, if they're not telling me that, I wouldn't be charging diagnostics either probably because I'd be like, what's the value in that? I, I'm stealing the customer's money and, it, and 100% you are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it was. And, and it's too bad because, I mean, like I've you've heard me say all for years, I genuinely think most of the techs out there want to do well. They want to do better. 
They want to improve. But I, I feel like, like I was, we all reach a point where it's like, you know what? I can't eat my pride. I can't pay my bills with my pride. If, if I'm not going to like get compensated for the time that I put in it and I don't need every minute, but I mean, I need a lot closer than the way it used to be. And it, yeah. you know, if I'm going to work on a, on an incentivized pay, if you're just going to pay me an hourly wage that we both agree on is good. And I show up and I fix cars. I'm a happy bear. I'm good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. I, I work within that means and it's, it's good. But these, these texts that are in that, that incentivized thing. And it's like, you get handed a, a check engine light ticket. I feel for them because I believe that most of them want to do this better. You see the look on their face when they're frustrated, then they don't know something and they're, they're, like, what do I do? I mean, it's a $500 mass airflow sensor. You know, I talked about a Mazda. I had a couple months where it had a mass airflow code and a bunch of codes and everything. It wouldn't even run. It would barely run transmission with shift funny ABS. It ended up being five volt was shorted in the harness underneath the trunk from water. So it was killing. I had no five volts to my math. If you'd have gotten Identifix, there's even a Mazda bulletin that tells you how common the mass airflow is to fail it was like 100 hits for the mass airflow was the next for for a 101 and the symptom not just the code but the 101 if and i said to the customer because he was a little perturbed that we had like two hours into finding it he's like oh and i'm like mister if you'd have gone to the dealer the first thing they would have jammed in this thing would have been a mass airflow because i guarantee they put three in this week right they have it on the shelf that's how common it is Right. Because my guy phoned over and said, What's a dealer math cost? Oh, 600 bucks. Okay. I don't want to do that. So when these people are seeing the price of this, and that's assuming they're using OE parts, you know how it's even worse when we get another variable when they go and buy, you know, a yep. blue streak or a dormant or a standard or whatever, not knocking dormant. Aftermarket. Part, I am. <laughs> It adds another variable though, right? When you get called in because you're oh, like, 100%. where's the OE part? Oh, it's in the, it's in the trash can. Okay. Well, I now need to, to get back to the baseline. I need that OE math to see what was it doing. Or you go and fix like your vacuum leak or like you said, or something else. And then your math is screwed because it's got a $100 math in there instead of the $500 one it's supposed to have. So yeah. that's where I feel like most of us want to do better. But we're just not, I know because I've said it for years, I'm not going to donate my time anymore for the shop to do better. I'll donate my time to make myself better, but I'm not going to make myself better <clears throat> at the expense of pay. You know, I, I just, it, 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 it goes against my core value. I feel like if I can make money doing something else, then I'm going to do that until you value what it is I can do. That's as simple as right. that. And yeah. But we, yeah, we, here we are, you know, we don't have 10% of people that are the only 10% go to training. Like it, it just, we've got to break that. Otherwise, otherwise it's, it's going to be a really dark day. You know what I mean? And, 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 okay. So yeah, let me ask you, how, how do we change that? You know, I mean, and from all the podcasts and, and listening to, you know, changing the industry and stuff and, and, you know, now, now I feel that, you know, me going mobile when I first went mobile, you know, like I said, I was, I was out to change the industry and I, I wanted to, to lift, you know, lift all the shops and, you know, then it, then it becomes, like you said, I, I'm, I'm here to make my money. You mm -hmm. know, if, if a shop's replacing a, a, a module, 
I'm not offering to, to diagnose it before they replace it. Uh, before I would take a couple of quick looks and, and everything just as, are they on the right track or is it something stupid that they're completely missing? Me questioning shops, or not questioning shops, I shouldn't say that because I didn't question them, but be, me asking questions to the shop like, hey, why are you replacing the module? Would you like me to take a, take a look at it uh, just to kind of confirm and everything? I, I offended them. Mm-hmm. I offended 90% of the shops by, by asking that. No, how dare you? It needs a, it needs a computer. My tech okay, says. man. I, my tech said, you know, and awesome. So so now I don't offer that to shops. If they, you know, if they're replacing a module, I show up, I program that module. Yeah. It, Jeff, nine times out of 10, it doesn't need the module. Oh. You know, and that was, that was a real hard pill to swallow at, at first because I hate charging shops when it doesn't fix it. And, but here's the thing, to be made to feel stupid for kind of, you know, quote unquote, questioning them or, or you know, hey, can I, can I help you in a, in, in a sense? Uh, they don't, they didn't want the help. You no. know, now they're stuck with a $700 module, the, the programming charge. And, you know, if they do want me to look at it now, I'm not doing it the same day. It, it's scheduled, it's scheduled out. And I'm, you know, three, four days behind on that, you know, uh, scheduled out. So, you know, from, from wanting to, to help these shops and, and grow, grow them and everything else that they, they've, they've left a bitter taste in my mouth because of they, they don't want the help. They don't want yeah. the help for the training. You know, the, every single one of them asked me, Hey, do you know any good technicians? I do. I do. But <laughs> that's I, the silver I'm bullet, right? Is I need a different tech. I don't yeah. want to improve the world. Not, I need a different tech. Uh, why, why would I send them your direction? When, when I go yeah. to, you know, 80% of the shops here in town, why would I send them your direction when I could send them to, to, to Bill over there and, and, you know, Bill's going to take care of these guys and they're going to, he's going to send them to training. He's going to take them out of town to go to training. Why, why send them your direction? Yeah. And so, so my, my, you know, and like I said, it's uh, going mobile has, has kind of made me jaded in, in a sense because it, you realize that, you know, you think that there's some, some good shops out there and there are, don't get me wrong. There are, man, that there, there are the, the Dutches and, and, you know, the Lucas and David's yeah. and, Man, but the those good shops—they're like 001 percent. <laughs> they're yeah. not—they're not on every yeah. street corner, so, man. Just like the good technicians no. are not on every street corner. So when you ask me how we how we fix this, here's where I think we fix it, or how we start anyway. And I'll go with this from two ways. So if you're in a shop, and say you all are whatever senior senior technicians within the shop right you've got 10 years experience if you've got somebody that is is got an aptitude like you had you have to either put them on just a straight hourly wage that's competitive for what they could have been making hanging parts banging ball joints putting control arms in putting struts in putting tires on brakes on whatever so that it's very lucrative so it's at least as lucrative as that and then you say okay you could be making me money doing this but you're very good at this, so we're going to have you do that, which is drivable electrical programming, all that kind of stuff. If you can't do it where you can give them a guarantee, then like you said, for every ASE that you have, for every diagnostic you know, classification that you get, that's got to come with more money per hour. Because that's the only way I see where a tech can go, let's easy round numbers. We're all paid $30 an hour. I bang out 12 hours. Cody makes eight doing drivability. I'm still 50% better than Cody at day's end. But now if I pay Cody 50% more per hourly wage, 
per hour. And Cody makes eight and he makes 12 at his other wage, 30 bucks. So you're now at 45. He's at 30. At the end of the day, you go home with more money than him. Do you know what I mean? Because it's incentive. That's true incentivized for actually developing knowledge and a skill set. So people that are listening that are shop owners or or whatever, you got to start with doing that because otherwise the young people, just like I witnessed for 20 years, are not going to go into the challenging hard cars, the nightmare cars, the problem cars, if it means they have to lose or if it means that on the the tally sheet that goes up at the end of the week or everybody's hours are hanging there. If they're going to be at the bottom of that, it doesn't matter whether you tell them how important they are to the shop, how important they are to the to the business. You have to show them that they're important. And unfortunately, that comes with money too. So that's one way. The next thing is, and this will be another unpopular thing, training has to be mandatory. If you don't want to attend, that's fine. You don't want to attend. I get it. Some guys don't want to do diag, don't want to do drivability. Cool. All right. You don't want to do it. That's fine. But I cannot then in good conscience, maybe bonus you out the way that I bonus the guys that will take training. Right. Or maybe like somebody made a good point, maybe for every hour that they take in training, that's uh, paid time off, put it on their holiday, you know, nice. pile, do yeah. that, do something because at the end of it, because you're always going to have people that just don't want to. I just want to hang parts, right? I just, yeah. I'm happy with that. I like that. I'm good with my hands. Great. We need those guys. Just like you said earlier, we need them. But the people, if you want to see this technology problem get fixed in the industry, it's not going to be just with a wage or finding a different tech. That's such a stupid answer. Oh, I got guys that won't take training. I got guys that can't fix cars. Do you know another tech? Yeah, he's probably just like the ones you got, you know, do you yeah. want a superstar? Okay. A superstar more and more. Now we're seeing shops are building them. They're not just walking exactly. around, you know, a, a tech like yourself, a tech like, um, you know, Keith Perkins, uh, I, I use Brian all the time, Brian Pollock, right? Guys like them are not walking around just out of a job, right? They are. Yeah, no, no, no. The good techs always will have a job. And yes. that's just it. <laughs> There's, you know, um, unless it's going through like the pandemic or anything else, like what you had to deal with as far as up in Canada yeah. and stuff. But, you know, that was just a weird time anyway. But the good techs, they're, the, the, the good techs, uh, if their name um, is, is, you know, if they're known within the community and everything else, like uh, I know Tucson and I can't speak for everywhere, but I know for, Tucson is the biggest little town there is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, if there's a tech that's leaving, oh my gosh, the the whole community knows this tech is leaving before the tech really even knows he's leaving. Wow, <laughs> you know what I mean, like people are already on his yeah. his ass. Like, and I, I hey, come, you know, you have job offers four or five. You know, that there is no uh, quitting to to go fill out applications and everything else. They they're they're on it. You know, they they um, I've had people poach me at where their wife has showed up to my to my current employer was like, Hey, can I talk to you outside? And, uh, you know, trying to recruit me mm-hmm. straight up at my shop, you know, and I'm not saying that that's right or anything else, but man, that that's, that's, you know, that's what's happening out there. And, and that's, and I guarantee that's happening everywhere. Not, I'm not just saying Tucson or Arizona or anything else that's happening everywhere because these texts are not, they're not, you know, walking down the street, they're not looking for, for work. You have to go search them or build them. Like you just mentioned, you know, you have to grow them within the company. 
Yeah. And and that's the, we have to get them, you know, I, I say that we're, if they see and they have an aptitude where they're more comfortable with a scan tool in their hand, but you watch them maybe do a set of drum breaks and they're fumbling, you know what I mean? Or something like that, man, push that on them. Right. Don't, don't sit there and go, you suck. Cause you can't do a set of drum breaks. Like put that scan tool in their hand more and more. I talk all the time. If I'd have never walked into a dealer where they just handed me a scan tool that involved like programming with a DRB three for a bulletin and said, this bulletin sucks. Nobody wants to do it. I know you've been here a month, but here's the DRB three. Here's the instructions from the bulletin. It tells you how to run it. Go flash 10 cars. Some comes to me at the end of your shift. If nobody had ever given me that opportunity, I wouldn't be where I am today. I would have never learned how to navigate that that tool or how to then see, okay, well, maybe it needs the, the update. Oh, or maybe it actually needs some some diac. Cool. And I was straight time when I was started doing that. So it's it's always been my progression once I got into the dealership that that's just what I did. I had a scan tool in hand and I was well, even when I went to flat rate, okay, now flat rate. Oh, I'm going to start doing more steering racks. I'm going to start doing more of the, you know, stuff that traditionally I hadn't been fast at because it paid well. And yeah. the Diag always didn't under warranty, but I was lucky because I had two skill sets, right? I was like you, yeah. I could hang parts, but I could also solve problems. And it was always a, a battle then between how do I get enough of the, the easy work that I can then you know, like by by Wednesday, if I had, you know, 30 hours in by Wednesday, great. You know, because I was never a guy that was turning 60 consistent a week. That wasn't me. I always had seen by Wednesday, if I had three 10-hour days, I got saddled with like four diags, you know, and they were complicated, involved, pulling the carpet out, finding a splice, that kind of stuff. And then by the week, I'd close out the week with 45, 46, you know, 40 sometimes. And I was happy with that. But the guy over there that didn't have to do them, he did 10 more racks. He walked out with 60 yeah. and I was like, shit, I got 45. So what my service manager did at the time, which was very groundbreaking, was he then implicated when at least when it was retail, a diagnostic rate of a time and a half. So the diagnostic rate nice. and paid the tech <clears throat> and this was only retail an hour and a half or <clears throat> excuse me, every hour he was on it. So and that was it could be an EVAP leak. It could be, I mean, it wouldn't be like a light bulb that was out, but I mean, if you had a, a steering rack that was, um, not a steering rack, wiper motor that say didn't work, right? Or the horn didn't blow and then somebody had already put a clock spring in it. Somebody put a foot over. You started it with an hour and a half, just there. That's what it paid. Nice. You only got an hour time, but it paid you an hour and a half. And that was his way of trying to incentivize more people to try and do it. Unfortunately, at a dealer, when you're doing still so much under warranty, you know, probably 60% of your work was under warranty still. So you didn't get that rate and a half, but it was still, at least I was lucky that the guys, they looked after me. So I didn't, I didn't lose my butt too often on, on warranty diag. My, they looked after me. I wrote really good, long five and six page stories with all my Voltrop this splice that, you know, ran an overlay, proved the component was good, blah, 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 and got paid. That's what you had to do. There was none of this, yeah. you know, it only pays this or this. You hear, Cody, how they talk now about how the guys in the dealer don't even get paid diag, right? So I you bring it in and it's real. Yeah. I would put my tools down tomorrow and I'd walk out and that'd be the last you'd see. Yeah. 
because well, so like you were talking about that Mazda with like the mass airflow sensor. You okay? And you know, and I'm not harping on dealer techs because I, I I've been there. You know, and and you see their repeat failures. You know, you, you see a car come in and and you know it's kind of like on the Nissan's. Oh, P zero one zero. You know, P zero one zero one. Oh man. Uh, it needs an update. You know, you already know in the top of your head before you even see the vehicle, before you even hook anything up, uh, that's what you're you're doing. Uh, so that mass airflow sensor, you know damn well that the shop, you know, the dealership would have thrown a mass airflow sensor in it. You know, it, mm-hmm. why, why do the checks? Why do those checks for point three? It, it, well, that's if you're getting the point three. But if you're not even getting the point three, why are they going to go through the, the steps to, to to CYA to cover their ass uh, when they're not getting compensated correctly for it? For it, so you know that that's all that's going to make is just a parts thrower. You know that that's take take the, the dice out, roll it, tell it what it needs, and and you know ship it. Yeah. Uh, and are cars getting fixed that way? Unfortunately, yeah, a lot of them are. Because they, they are pattern fail, failures, sure. but then there's the ones that, that <laughs> those are the ones, those are the cars that I get now, you know what I mean? And, and they're, they're all the ass kicking and, and it's, you know, find the corrosion, find, yes. find the broken wire, you know, find the module that's bringing down the network, find, you know, the, now it's, it's not that easy that the, the pattern failures, because the pattern failures, they're getting fixed, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that Mazda, the only thing that like, cause I'm, you know, so I didn't, I didn't hook a scope to that car. I just, I, I stared at data a lot on it and I'm yeah. scrolling through and I'm seeing the fuel tank pressure sensor is skewed really bad. It's like 30 PSI of fuel tank pressure on the EVAP system. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's a red flag. Like that sucker should have blown apart by now. I should be hearing that, you know? So immediately go back, unplug it, fire the car back up, runs like a brand new car. Right. Then the diet yeah. is to go and actually see, but I mean, so the dealer tech wouldn't have sat there long enough and said, cause it didn't have an EVAP fault. I don't right. know why. Don't care. Didn't have it. I'm just looking at data, trying to figure out, okay, I got the mass airflow unplugged and the still, still not drivable. It's still wonky. You know, I'm still getting all this blah, 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 whatever. The next step the dealer tech would have thrown in would have been an, an ECM, $700 ECM, $500, you know, we'd have been 1200 bucks into a car that wasn't fixed. So when my customers starting to get a little cranky about, well, you know, what's this three hours for, you know, two hours for Diag and one hour to put a, a harness in a little $80 jumper harness that comes from here to here, just whatever. And I'm, I said to him, I said, would you want a $1,200 of parts that didn't fix it? Because that yeah, would have been the reality. Exactly. It was like, how do you know that? Cause I know a guy, right? Like that's how it would have went. And that's not ripping on them, but I was just given the keys and nobody came to ask me how much longer I was going to be. Did I have any headway? What, you know, what do I call my customer? They just handed me the keys. And when I knew what was wrong, I went to them and said, Hey, this is what's wrong. I'm not being bothered and pressured into, Oh, we need to know. We need to know. We need to know. That doesn't help anybody's diagnostic process when you're trying to rush it from that rate standpoint, you got to stop doing that. You put that yourself under that kind of pressure when you're on your day to day going to the job, right? You put yourself on that. But if you're working, somebody's working, don't do that to them. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, adding, adding more pressure where it's already uh, a pretty technical and, you know, Diagnostics is a is a is a thought process, and, and you know you need to follow your processes. And every time that I I, I 
I don't follow my process, that's when I start going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And and every time I don't follow my process is is usually when okay somebody comes up and they start talking to me. We shoot the ship for a little bit. And next, you know, I just lost my train of thought. I forgot where I was. Uh, where I was, where yeah. I was going, or, or I went to, to step three instead of, and I skipped step one and two and step one and two yeah. is what, where it was at. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so, so doing that and everything and, and asking them or, you know, handing them a waiting oil change and stuff that that's, you know, honestly, that's how wheels get left loose. That that's how, you know, things get overlooked and, and, you know, obviously that's going to be worst case scenario and stuff and, and diagnostics and a whip and, you know, tightening up wheels, two different things, but in reality, it's not, you know, I mean, it's both going to cost the company uh, money and, and, you know, having uh, a lead guy or a diagnostic guy uh, handing him an oil change to, to get a waiting oil change done when, when he's knee deep in a network diagnostics and he's got wires hanging everywhere. Yeah. That's probably not the time you think he needs a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that like when your tech is out there and they're three hours in and nobody's checked on them, Right. You kind of have to know the tech because if they are struggling, but if they're competent, like if they if they've proven to you before that they can, you can give them a challenge and they can get to the bottom of it. Two hours can go by really fast when you're in, when you're in the midst of, of a problem or I'm miss, it can go by really fast. Right. So now if it's all morning and he's still trying to figure out a misfire or something like that, that's a different thing. But if you're into something complex like that, Two hours can go by really quick. It doesn't mean that you need to run out and start putting the pressure on them. Like I've got to make, because that's the other thing in this industry. Too many times the, the the advisor or the shop owner or the manager, or whatever says, I need a better tech. I got guys that can't solve anything. The reality is, is a lot of them come out there when the hour and a half is up and go, I need an answer. Now give me an answer. And you go, well, boss, the answer is it's not X, Y, and Z, but I still don't know. And he goes, well, what's the next thing it could be? Well, it's looking like it might be the ECM, but I still have to check this circuit, that circuit. I still have to do the. Okay, well, I'm going to call the customer and see if they want to do an ECM. And that's how it goes. And then the ECM doesn't fix it. And they call up Cody and Cody comes in and he goes, well, there's not 12 volts on that wire. Like, I mean, there's 12 volts when I unplug it and I face probe it with the meter and it shows me 12 volts, but it won't light my test light. It won't flow current. And then the guy's like, my tech didn't do anything for you know, three hours and I had to call someone in. The reality is that you didn't yeah. give the tech enough time and it sucks. I understand it, but it comes back to then when we're going to chart, start to do these diags, we need to go back to like what Brian and Paul Danner came up with, which is that retainer. How invested is this customer going to be in getting a repaired vehicle? How are they in it for the long, I hate to say the long haul because that implies that we're going to keep it forever, but are they really you know, because the variables, it's got a dormant mass airflow sensor in it. It's got a, you know, 10 texts. Somebody's taken a fuel pump out of it and put, we don't know what a fuel pump in it now for a lean code. And it's still got a lean code. And now it does a different thing. There's so many more variables that have been added that we need to now check. You can't do that for an hour and a half. The, and I always say it and, it, and it really perturbs some people. If the customer has spent $1,000 and didn't get it diagnosed properly or repaired, that's a thousand dollars that most of the top diagnostic people in the industry probably could have found it with a thousand dollars worth of diag time allotted. So I would say time. Yeah, we don't know what that would would cost as far as what the final um, part might be. What it would be. 
Yeah, exactly. But for yeah. time, yeah. I mean, I know plenty of guys that that take on you know these hero cars and stuff, and they'll start at you know seven, eight hundred dollars or whatever. Um, and that that that's a, a decent enough amount to to okay, I, I'll I'll take this on. You know what I mean? And and, and I'm talking about like flooded vehicles. Yeah. Note to self: What's all you guys? Do not take on flooded vehicles. Nobody wants to be your hero on a flooded vehicle. They're never, they're <laughs> never ever done. They're never ever done. No, no. no. no I'm, I'm eight months in, and, and we're not done yet. And we're we're twelve modules in. So. Yeah. I know it's that. I think it's flood cars, and I had a lightning strike car once in my in my career. Oh, those are good too. Yeah. Yeah. But going back when when I say that you know when they t- try to say the customer won't pay for diag if the customer will pay a thousand dollars for parts that didn't fix it and they're still trying to get it resolved they most certainly would have paid a thousand dollars for diag you just it's you're not selling it to them the proper way right exactly. if you sell it to them that- hundred dollars an hour and they think it's 10 hours they think they're being ripped off if you tell them their diag rate is 250 an hour and you're selling them four hours okay four hours to them doesn't sound like a ripoff it's, exactly, you know. and, and you know, and and I think you're onto some there, Jeff. And and I mean the the customers. It, okay, so yes, it, it's all about how you uh, approach it with the customers, and and uh, you know, selling them, let's say, a module, and and you know, time to install the module, and then the programming. Yes, it comes to a thousand dollars. This will take care of your issue. Okay, now it does. Well, now they have a module and they have this and they have that and they don't realize that, you know, this could have been fixed. It had some, you know, broken wires or, or, or whatever, and it could have been fixed for, you know, five, five hundreds with, with the diagnostic time, you know, multiple hours to chase down the, the wiring and everything else. And it was fixed. Unfortunately, like even for customers, you know, they, they see more that that's so you just, you found some broken wires and you're charging me $500. Exactly. Yep. You know, compared to, uh, oh, well, I got a module that I didn't need. They don't know that. Uh, I got a module um, and, and then the, the programming and then the time to install it. And that was twelve hundred. And, and you, you know, and, and you're trying to charge me five hundred dollars for three broken wires, you know. So so it's all. But that's about how how the service rider sells it to the to the customer. And, and a lot of that is. From the stories that that technician, we go back to that where the story that the technician writes up. And if we need more diagnostic time, give them the value of what they're paying for for that first hour. If you need more time, tell them these are the steps that we're gonna we're gonna check for the these, you know, these are our next steps of what we need to to check. Uh, show them the value in in your time to continue forward. You know that way that they feel like man they they really went. You know, they did a lot and even read the story, you know, tell them, you know, if anybody has questions like, okay, so ATG, if you go on to automotive training group, there's, there's downloads and, and there's downloads to where like, uh, you know, question surveys, as far as does it, does it, uh, uh, when does the symptom happen? Is it cold first start in the morning? You know, the questions that we service as service writers, they forget to ask. But then there's also another download and everything too for for the technician stories to where they can write down, okay, this I checked X, Y, and Z. This is you know that document their process, uh, and then okay, this is where we're at. We need additional time, and these are the next things that we are gonna we are gonna check. And that way, the service writer can straight up you know read that 
to the customer, give them the value for it, uh, show them that you know our time is valuable. This is a complex system. Vehicles are complex nowadays. I don't care what you're working on, let's say, but they but they are, and it takes that skill set and it takes that knowledge, and it's not just any you know guy changing the oil and stuff that that can fix a lot of these vehicles with the drivability uh, concerns and stuff. So. Or you can take it over here and, and they can throw modules at it and everything else. And then by the time it does get to a, a good drivability tech, uh, they're all out of money. Yep. <laughs> and then we get that sympathetic owner or service advisor or whatever who knows that they're out of money and feels for them. And then he tries to discount it even more. That's the completely exactly. wrong step. I got to ask you, Cody, because uh, you, know, you see it and you go to these shops and sometimes the conversation comes up or the topic comes up. Are mobile guys like doing what you do? Are we keeping some of the shops in the business, in, in the industry that should have gone the way of the dinosaur? And are we really doing it? Oh, 100%. Okay. Uh, and, and let me, let me, let me, let me touch on this. Okay. So yeah. I, yes, I do say this. Okay. So when I first went mobile, I was, taken any any shop that that would pretty much call i was even doing individuals which that was that was a mistake but you know i'd show up to you know i'd show up to one shop in particular and uh it's a two-bay shop there's there's two cars on the lifts there's two cars underneath it there's 100 cars in the parking lot wow. and their guys are out there on the on the dirt lot pulling motors pulling transmissions uh, jack stands on their on their back i mean that they, they they don't have a lift to to work out of it because they don't move those cars uh, and they expect me to, to work like that and stuff too. Well, I did. I, I and unfortunately I did right. Uh, to the point that, you know, their sink is a, is a garden hose in the back with, with, with the garden hose and some Gojo right there. And that's, that's how that's the shop sink. Yeah. If, if you need to pee, it's the other, it's the other yard. You just go back there and just go, you know, take a piss. There's a bucket. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, this is what, you know, and that, that was, what the hell am I doing? Because I am, I had some really good diags and stuff there. Uh, and it made that shop look like a hero. Yeah. And I'm not trying to my own horn. Oh. I'm just saying that, you know, these, these were cars that have been to multiple other shops and I made this shop that should not be in business. 100% should not be in business. Look like the hero. And so are mobile guys hurting shops like that? Yes. Okay. But on that note, let me uh let me back up for a second. So anybody that's a top shop owner and and you know that that I, I my recommendation would be to go right along with a mobile guy for a week and just just see how things are and you will realize that 90% of the shops shouldn't be in business. Yeah. And and, and I, I say that you know, not, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, I go to some real reputable shops that have some really great talent and they're, they're missing simple things. And why are they missing simple things? Because these guys are not going to training. The shop's not investing into the training uh, to send their guys there because it's too expensive. Well, it's expensive not to send your guys there because they're yes. missed. They're calling me in, Yeah. you know, for simple stuff. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I get the hard stuff too. I mean, I get the cars that has had Identifix thrown up at it and, you know, it's got, it had one problem. Now it has six uh, and then it's been to four other shops. So now we have in, 
incorrect part numbers in, 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 yep. um, for parts we have, you know, there's so many different variables, uh, and we have to, we have to, you know, shift through all that to, 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 um, come up with a, a conclusion, a resolution and to get these cars fixed, but our mobile guys hurting. Uh, yeah, but you know what, here's the thing shops need to change. There's a reason there's mobile guys out here that are making a living. I'm trying to put myself out of business. Take advantage of it or send your guys to training. Um, go to these, spend $39 and go to a webinar. You'll get something out of it, man. So, you know, I, I wish every shop was a was a Dutch and and uh, and uh, Lucas and David. And, and I wish every shop, you know, paid for tools and everything else. Unfortunately, that's not any of the shops that I've ever worked at. And now that I'm mobile and I go into, you know, a majority of the shops here in town, that's not a reality here yeah. at all. I mean, they, they, they are, they are the unicorns and those are the shops that I'm, you know, I, I would pack up my mobile stuff and go work at a shop. If, if that's, if there was one like that here, yeah. you know, but they're, they're not, man. I mean, Look how Perkins runs it. I mean, he, he pays for everything cool, down to the yeah. flashlight, to the, to the snacks, to, to food. I mean, it's just, it's real, it's real expensive. Now, don't get me wrong. I spend a lot of money on, on tools a year, but I also run a business, right? Um, but I also spend a lot of money a year when I worked in a shop and, and, and I was still spending 15, 20 grand a year when I worked in a shop. So yeah. take that right off the top. So let's say you're making a hundred thousand dollars. There's, there's $20,000 that you can't claim on your taxes and yep. stuff anymore. Yep. So, so now you're getting double penalized, right? So now you're making $80,000, you know, that's uh that you should be able to make a hundred thousand dollars without a constant continuous 15, $20,000 every single year. Sure. Just to yeah. keep that. For sure. Now I, so, I got to ask you, because this is kind of a two part to this, the question we just asked, Brian Pollock and I talk all the time and Brian, you know how he, I love the dude. We talk every day. He talks oh, about yeah. sometimes awesome. the industry has tried, has built the need for the independent guys like your, or diagnostic guys like yourself. And not only that, it has pushed people like yourself out of shops and created the, the market that is, what Cody does and, and uh, you know, Keith Perkins and, and Tanner Brandt and Matthew Scundridge, all these people that every day go around and fix these cars because they, we force people like you talent out of you, like you out of a shop. Do you agree with that? 100%. I mean, that's the whole reason that, that I'm uh, I, I have the business that I have and the whole reason I went mobile and everything else was trying to communicate to shops that this network diagnostics should be a, a level three diagnostics and we need to start at three hours. And then we go from there. Uh, and, and no, just, you just go ahead and do it. I'll pay, I'll pay you. So I get paid, you know, but they don't, the customer doesn't get charged. So the customer thinks the $150 fix their network diagnostics. Yeah. But then, you know, at the end of the month, it sure, Cody's really not, you know, there's really not gross profit in anything that Cody's doing because, man, we've couponed $20,000 this last month of, of, you know, the services that he's done when we should have been selling more work to, to benefit the shop, to benefit the technician, to, to benefit everybody uh, involved, right? But we're, but we're not and we're going to discount it and stuff because we think that's what's right for the customer. So, so no, you, so now you force me out and to, to go out on my own. To now, when you call me, 
I am charging for every single hour that I'm there. And that $139 that you were charging the customer, now it's a $500 bill from myself. I don't know how you're going to figure that out with, with the customer, but I'm charging sure. what I feel is, is this, this repair is worth. Yeah. So if shops want to change and, you know, start charging appropriately, uh, stop screwing around with, with, you know, any of the text, not just the lead text or anything else, but, you know, really, you know, invest back into the company, invest into your people uh, with training and, and, and education and, you know, your service writers. Service writers and managers should also be going to training. That's that's another thing. It shouldn't be a technician telling telling them how to run a business. No. I, I, I tell myself how to run my own business. I don't I shouldn't be telling them how to run a business and how to charge appropriately for diagnostics. That's all done at, at, at training that there's there's training for them. <laughs> and yeah, so so are we helping them keep them afloat? 100%. But here's the thing. If, if we weren't helping them keep the float, man, I don't know where this industry would be right now because how bad it is yeah. already. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, oh, what was I going to say? So going back to what um, you're talking about when sometimes techs try to tell owners that they should charge more for this or they need to charge more for that or, you know, diag time needs to be more. We get labeled as like, well, you're always, techs are grouchy. Techs are, you know, prima donnas. Techs are always trying to tell us how to run our business. We're not trying to r tell you how to run the business per se, but if we have to show like an effective wage for that person that's working on that car and we're tackling Diag versus the parts margins way better on a, on a strut job than it is on a, on a fix and a broken wire. There's no parts on fixing a broken wire, maybe a piece of shrink tube if you want to build it out. There isn't there. So when we have to show our worth, we have to be upfront and demanding and say, okay, you need to charge a little bit more for me to show my worth because it's, it's a different thing. But as soon as we put our hand up and start to say that, oh, you guys just always want more money. You always think you're the, you know, the expert. If you're so smart, go do it yourself. It, the very real reality in this industry, and I hate to say it, and it's going to get a lot of people pissed. There are some techs working right now on your shop floor that probably have a better idea about how to run the business than you that own the business. And that sucks. It's terrible. It's a, it's a mean, shitty, realistic thing to say, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Especially if you've been doing it for 20 years out of whatever level that you've been doing it. And that level hasn't been great. Maybe you bought yourself a job, right? Hats off to you. Yeah. But this young person that is invested and is networking and is seeing the change that's happening, you need to be listening to that person because just because they're not an owner doesn't mean that they don't have value in, in their input. They have a lot of value in their input. It's a young minds with a different perspective is sometimes more valuable than experience. We're in an industry that you need to be open-minded. You can't be closed off. Obviously, look at all the changes and everything else. Look at the guys, you know, when, when carburetor, you know, everything was going to, to fuel injection. Oh, man, I'm not I'm not changing with the times. Cool. You're going to be left behind. Okay, ABS, right? The, the industry is changing so fast, so rapidly and stuff. Now, you have to be able to adapt and grow. This isn't 1976 anymore. Uh, we went years and years and years where there was very minimal um, changes, oh. so to speak. I mean, it, you know, it, for, 
for the last 15 years compared to the last 100 years before that, the technology is just 10 times what it was. And it's going to continue to go, grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's where it's listening to, I don't care if it's the lube tech. No, everybody should have a say or, you know, he may be the next latest and greatest. And, and he's just he's just the lube tech right now. But you don't know what he's going to become, you know, and, and it's willing to grow. It's willing to, to, to make changes, listening to everybody. And, and, and I think I know for myself, that was the bit, one of the big things that I was looking for, for a shop, because I wanted to have a, a say, you know, I wanted us to get into the last shop I was at. I wanted us to get into ADOS. I wanted, you know, I, I wanted us to, I wanted, again, I wanted to move that shop into, you know, something that, man, and at that time, there was nothing here in town. Man, we really could have tapped the market. <laughs> like, if I'm telling you, like, there was a business that just makes sense, right? And they didn't, they didn't see it. And it's like, they, they've missed that shit now. But man, if we could have got it in 2020 before uh, the other ADOS company and stuff opened up, man, they, they could have already had the market tapped. They, they could, and it's just listening to a guy like myself, just because I went to the training and I saw where everything was going, man, this ADOS, this ADOS, man, we can really deal with, you know, body shops. And then guess what? You're dealing with insurance. You don't even have to like ask for customers permission, not permission, but you know, the insurance is paying it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's guaranteed money right there, you know, and, and it has to be done after, after a collision. So it, it's, listen to your guys. You never know what the next great opportunity, you know, it, it willing, willing to expand, willing to get into new things that, that you may not, that you may be scared of and, or, or it's, you know, also maybe getting into just specializing. You know, it doesn't have to be the the general repair for everything. If you really like electronics and everything else, and you can you can create a business just just for electrical repair and, and diagnostics. You know, that there's or or if you have that guy, you know, make him the the diagnostic guy and and make it like a dealership. I know when I when the guys over at Buick, there there's the brake the suspension guys, there's the drivability guy. You know, they, they had their own department. That's what they did all day long. And that works yeah. for some, you know. I, I got to ask you because you're out there a lot. Is the technician shortage really as bad as, as it's made out to be? Oh, man, it's it's horrible. And and honestly, I don't know. Looking back now, and, and I really hate to, to, to talk bad about the industry and stuff, but, man, you know, knowing what I know now, what I have gotten into the industry – um, it, it's, don't get me wrong. It's, 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 it's given me a, an awesome lifestyle and everything else. Um, you know, I'm not a millionaire by, by any means, but, but I'm happy. I enjoy what I do. Um, uh, but it's also come with a lot of frustration and I lost out on 14 years of my daughter's life that I can't get back. You know, the, the volleyball games that I will never be able to attend, you know, and that, that right there is, is is unfortunate that that's there's no money amount of money the money i was making wasn't worth yeah that, right what you missed so it's real hard to sit here and my daughter wants to you know she she wants to she's rode along with me and she's like man i when i get out of high school and stuff and i even offered i was like i'll, I'll hire you outside of or during high school you go around to a couple of the shops and i'll give you a 
a, a certain percentage of how, you know, modules that you're programming because she's programmed a GM and a Ford and, and, you know, so I'm showing her each software and how it works and, and what to do and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, but I, do I want her to get into this industry? I, Jeff, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, 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 this is what, this is what, this is exactly what I told her. She needs to go and get a degree, um, whatever that may be, even if it's in, you know, computer into IT or, or whatever, but you need to go out and explore and don't just fall into this because I'm in this. Mm -hmm. If she can go a different route, then, then I'm all for that. You know, even if it's business, you know, uh, getting a degree in, in business management or, you know, whatever it may be, but, but it, it's real hard to sit here and, and, uh, and knowing where the industry is until shops start changing to, to sit here and, 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 100% like be like, it's the best thing ever. Like go be a technician because man, I see what's out there. I go to these shops and it sucks. Like it really needs to change if, if, if it's going to get any better. And that's just the God honest truth. I mean, I, that's where it's at. <laughs> so what's the next five years look like for Cody and Cody's auto diagnostics and programming? What, where do you, do you have, like, can you see that as bringing her on as an employee as, or do you, do you want another employee? Would you like to get one? Is there, do you not have one because yeah. you can't find one or. So, so yeah, that's, that's part of it is, is uh, I don't have one because I trying to find one. I know that getting an employee would probably be the best thing for me because my appointments. So right now during the summer, it, it's, I'm not even scheduling any diagnostics because like I said, I, 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 uh, just summers here are crazy. They're, they're hot. Um, cars are breaking. So, so just my programming alone, I'm, I'm doing anywhere from, you know, eight to 10 programmings a, a day. I, I can't even keep up with that, let alone take on, um, drivability issues or diagnostic issues and stuff at this time. And then on top of that, you know, I'm usually out in the parking lot. So, so that's another variable and stuff too, that, uh, during the summer, that's just, that's not going to work for me. And, you know, I value myself and there's no amount of price that I can charge a shop, even if it's $500 an hour, that it's worth it to, for me to be out in the middle of the parking lot and scorching, you know, 110 degree heat. Normally I like it, but not the summer is, is like our, uh, is like your winters. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that's the time of the year where no, it sucks here. So, so yeah, I want, I, I need an employee. I, I really, uh, I think an employee would be good. It would help me step away um, a little bit to, to focus on, on back into the diagnostics and give me some breathing room right now. You know, just answering the phone is, 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 is a full-time job and, yeah. and answering the phone. And when I say that these are shops that, Hey, I just put a transmission in a, in a 2013 GM. Uh, does it need to be programmed? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is 100% calls that I get all day long that I am, I am all data and Mitchell and Identifix all rolled into one that I have all the answers, uh, when they pay for these subscriptions and you know how much time that takes out of my day to answer these stupid questions or, Hey, it's 4:30 on a, uh, it's 4:30 on, on a Friday. We just put this transmission in. We didn't realize it needed to be programmed. Can you get it done tonight? <laughs> no, no. The car has been there for a week. You could have called, you know, you could have read service information. You know, that last step where it says programming, yeah. 
you could have called and scheduled. I don't feel, I, I'm sorry, but it's getting harder and harder to feel sorry for shops when they can't even read the service information. And this goes from the technicians to the service riders. Yep. They both need to be reading uh, just the, the repair procedure because the technician's not always going to know, but then the service rider should know that, man, this is, does this need programming? Does this need X, Y, and Z? Um, but then you're going to call me and get frustrated with me because I'm going to tell you three days, I'll get to you in three days when the car's been done, when you've had the car for a yeah. week and you could have made the appointment on Monday to, for, for Wednesday. Yeah, you'd have pencil them in. Or, or in, and like today, I mean, I drove all the way across town. Uh, I talked to the guy on the phone. You say, and I'll be there in, in a couple hours. I had two cars. I had a Nissan for a program and then I had a diagnostics. Drove all the way out there. Oh, hey, uh, we're just going to send the car to the dealer. Okay. All right. Is the other vehicle ready for the programming? No, it's not ready either. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. You just, you just wasted my time. Yeah. And that's a, that, you know, and this is where it's frustrating to, as, as a business owner, you, you just, you just wasted my time where I could have been making money somewhere else. Um, you get charged. Yeah. I, was just I mean, I, I, char I charge them my show up fee and you know, it, it's just such a, a time just such a time waste and in the multiple calls a day, does it need this? And does this need programming? And does this need, pro man, look it up, look it up, man. Like, you know, Matthew Skunkridge would give a hard time, like look at service information, but now being mobile, I am Matthew Skunkridge. It's like, look it up. Yep. It's there. <laughs> like, it's there. On, man. You need to, you need to, what you do is you have to have all your calls go to a voice answer system, right? So you don't answer and that make that in the voice answer. Just okay. Thank you for calling Cody's Auto Diagnostics. Now, before I call you back, have you checked out your service information? Did you read service information, man? I like I like that. You know what? I think I'm going to put that on my voicemail when I get off. Yeah. Get off. Well, I do, man. I'll definitely give it to you. You've given me enough. So, this has been great, Cody. Honestly, I, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, I, I this 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 podcast is about you know, showcasing people like yourselves, right? People that have, have taken that step and have not been afraid to, to, you know, tell their story and then get into the meat and the potatoes of why you, you made the choices you did, why you went down the path that you did and why you think, you know, so many of us are doing the same thing. That's what this is all about is, you know, I don't have the answer. You don't have the answer. It's like we were talking about it. You don't know the one answer about how do we fix this industry. But I think that if we keep talking to each other with open communication about why you made the choice that you did, why what this made you feel like this and this made me feel like that, we're going to get closer. You know, is there ever an yeah. end game? I don't think there's ever an end game as to where we get this perfect. But, you know, right now, right, right. right now, what we've been doing for the last 25 years has not been working. So it's time. Exactly. To and that's all I was going to say is right now, it just seems so overwhelming, right? Because it is, it's such a, such a big picture. And there's so much that needs to be, that needs to get, that needs to change. Uh, do I think it can happen? 100%. Like I said, this is, this is, the industry has been great to me. And I, I you know, I, I wanted to be as transparent as possible, you know, my frustrations in it and the, th the experiences that I've had. But that being said, you know, if I could go back in time, would, would I have changed it? Probably not. I, I probably, I would have done some things differently, but I, I would probably be uh, in this field doing what I, what I love because this is one thing that I, I, I'm really good at. And 
and I enjoy and I, and it's, a, and I'm continuing to grow every single day and everything. So, so everything that, you know, I was saying, I was just trying to be candid and, oh, and you know, but things do need to change. And, 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 and I'm so passionate about it because man, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to, to have so much passion and, and not for, uh, shop owners or other business people in this industry, not to have that same kind of passion and think that they'll just get by. Yeah. And that that's us. yeah. Getting, getting by has gotten us where we are. So on that note, exactly. well, I want to thank you. Are you going to go to ASD this year? Man, so I, I really want to, and, and I took the, I took the wife last time and man, we just, man, we loved it out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm, it's still up in the air. I, I really want to. So, um, are you, now are you going this year, Jeff? Yeah. yeah, I'm going, I'm going last year. I went and that was life changing. I thought like I was, I'm, you know oh, how man, I, it's been, so right. Yeah. You know how I've yeah. been and then to get there and realize that it was like, there's, there's so many people that are, that are having the conversations just like we had. And there's so many people that are implementing the changes that we actually want to see changing that it's like, Oh my God. We're not doomed. You know what I mean? That was, that was a life changing yeah. event for me. So, I mean, I tell everybody like, it is. I, I'm going, I'm going to go and record a bunch, uh, meet a bunch more people that I haven't met. Like the highlight of my life now was Paul Danner was there last year. Right. So I got to meet Paul. And I mean, I've, I've been friends with Paul for a long time, but I'd never met him. Same with Brian. Brian and I have been friends forever. Never met the dude. He's huge. If you've never met him, he is a oh, giant. He is, of a man. He is. And I haven't met him yet either, but man, I can just, I can just tell that, I mean, he's huge and you yeah. know, but that's, what's cool about social media. I mean, you network with these guys for so long and you become, you know, th these are some of my best friends and yeah. you know, but then you finally meet them in person. And it's like, man, after years of talking, and it's like, man, you already know, you already like know everything about the guy. You talk multiple times a day, a week, whatever it is. And it's like, now you can finally, you know, my wife didn't understand it until, you know, she went out to, and she got to meet Paul and, and, you know, so it was just the, after she saw it, she's like, man, this is, this is, uh, this is huge. Like this is, it's such a cool experience. And, and that's coming for somebody that's completely 100% outside the industry. Mm -hmm. And she was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. To so. sit, to sit down and have dinner with, with super Mario and, and Paul Danner at the same table yep. the first night there was just like, I'm sitting there just pinching myself on over and again, going like, yeah. what am I doing sitting here with Brian and Corey? And, and, you know, like <laughs> it's like they let the dumb kid walk in and sit with these, you know, fantastic, amazing people. But it, it was, yeah, it's life changing event. If anybody can make it, they really should. Hey, if you could do me a favor real quick and like comment on and share this episode, I'd really appreciate it. And please, most importantly, set the podcast to automatically download every Tuesday morning. As always, I'd like to thank our amazing guests for their perspectives and expertise. And I hope that you'll please join us again next week on this journey of change. Thank you to my partners in the ASAR group and to the Change in the Industry podcast. Remember what I always say, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Here's hoping everyone finds their missing 10 millimeter, and we'll see you all again next time.